0: Welcome to Unedited, our fortnightly podcast where we explore the opportunities and challenges the retail industry is facing. Brought to you by myself, Grace Hill, and Diana Fang. From fashion, beauty, and
1: homeware, Grace and I will cover industry topics and shed light on how retailers can create a brighter future. How are things, Grace, now that we're in a deeper lockdown
0: 2.0? Oh my gosh, I know. God, who would have thought that we would be back where we are now but yeah, no, feeling fine. I'm still in London, but I guess I've had time on my hands to think about Black Friday shopping and Christmas shopping. But yeah, this year I've decided I don't really need any more Dyson hair dryers or hair appliances or clothes. So I'm going to invest in my home and do that kind of classic 30s style Christmas present, which is ask for a coffee machine. So I feel like I'm really getting old. But yes, I'm just continuing to renovate the flat you know step by step with That's... your terracotta DIY walls or yes connie ceo of astro who's come on the podcast before i saw that she posted some amazing terracotta walls so i was straight on to her to ask what color it was that she used and she had chosen little green blush if anybody's curious but yes no still going still painting but how about you diana i guess you've got some home appliances and things to be buying is that right Yes. oh
1: my god so for our listeners i'm having a baby in february and i'm now in the whole there's, it's a whole new world i've got a 2021 2022 planning spreadsheet of products and things that you need to plan for to buy there's like 70 products on there there's just for a newborn, there's so many reviews of types of things that you need to buy. So I'm trying to consider whether it's about design or function for my baby. Like, will my baby be cooler in a Bugaboo stroller or not? <laughs> <laughs> the questions I'm having now.
0: Your baby will be cool, whatever stroller <laughs> or pushchair they in. But oh my gosh, how exciting they! So talking of exciting things, what will we be discussing on today's episode, Diana?
1: Well, today we're delving into the homeware market, which has certainly been in the spotlight in 2020. So on today's podcast, we're excited to welcome someone we've been working very closely with for the past few years, Michael Truluck, CEO at Labradue International. Welcome to the podcast, Michael. We're delighted to have you on today. How are you and how's everything in Ilkley?
2: Great, and thank you for welcoming me like that, Diana, in terms of the podcast. Everything's good for me today, sitting in Ilkley in the West Yorkshire area and ready to answer all of the questions that you guys have.
1: It sounds like a lovely place to be in the countryside during COVID as well and just having the, the nature around and being able to walk and
0: within restrictions. Correct. <laughs> Correct.
2: Being socially distanced from everyone except for the people who I live with. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, to start off, Michael, it would be great to hear more about your career and, and your role. And how did you become CEO of Laradu International?
2: It's a quite a big question. I'm going to go back in time. I'll probably start as being a child and I'll work it up very quickly down to where I am today. So I have a slightly strange accent that most people pick up on. So I was originally born in South Africa, in a place called Bloemfontein, right in the center of South Africa. It is a Dutch city. Uh, Blumfontein translates to flower fountain, in terms of the name. I can speak Afrikaans fluently, which is the South African language, a uh, kind of Dutch language, and English, obviously, fluently, too. My father was English, my mother is Lebanese, and at the age of 18, I had a tough decision about whether to go and study at university in South Africa or to go across and abroad, and I took the tough decision to move to the UK. Because my father was English, I already had the passport, so off I went to London, stayed on a sofa there for two weeks and got my first job at Condé Nast, which is a publishing company, Mm -hmm. and worked my way up from a finance point of view in Condé Nast. And my background has always been very financial historically. So Condé Nast was finance, but very commercially orientated in finance. And that's where I always found the key elements for me was how to use the numbers to drive the business Mm -hmm. and to be able to tell a story out of the different numbers that we have, which is where edited is great in fairness, because there's loads of numbers and data there. So you can use that to start identifying things that to drive your business. From that, moved on to a place called Peter Black's, which is in the north of England. And dare I say this, because i met my wife in London, so I need to think about the right way to phrase it. But she was from the north of England, so and hence moved from London to the north of England as a result of that. And that was really to set up family and to be able to have a much nicer surroundings for them to be able to grow up, et cetera. Uh, worked at a place called Peter Black's, manufacturer historically, then became an importer of goods, B2B environment, selling products, especially in sourcing products, especially for people like Marks and Spencers, Next, Tesco, Sainsbury's, and then effectively doing that under a white label for them. So they'd be able to do their own brand items. And it was shoes and accessories was the core areas. And from there, moved on to what was Red Cats. And Red Cats stood for Reduced Catalogs. So that was our previous parent company. And that was quite a number of years ago now. So I think that's going back to 2007. So 13 years ago, started off at Redcats. Again, finance capacity at that stage. Worked my way up and had six different roles within what is now Reduce. So within Redcat slash Reduce. First positions were all in a finance type role, then moved across from CFO of the UK to CEO of the UK. And then from CEO of UK, which we had a multi-brand portfolio at the time, to CEO of Laradute International about seven years ago it's just a bit over seven years now that i've had this position so that 's a whistle stop tour of my kind of background and history
1: fascinating because it's like you know you you have your finance kind of link throughout, but you could transfer that across to different businesses that you were working with and then translate that into the CFO and then CEO role so super fascinating
2: yeah um, correct and it's a lot, it's circa ten years now that i've been much more in the CEO space. But I've always got that underpinning of financial knowledge. And as you say, being able to translate what the numbers mean into our strategy, our business Mm -hmm. is really a core strength.
1: Yeah. And going into Laradu. So with Laradu, their mission is to always deliver affordable French style to its customers. And I mean, this is so another thing that's super fascinating is that they Started in 1837, had their first catalog model in 1928, and now with 10 million active customers based in 26 countries, how has the business model changed over the years? I mean, if you can refer back to 1928 and start there, but from your perspective...
2: Obviously, going back to the, you know, I'll go back to the 1800s. Laredo historically was a woolen mill, so it was started off with woolen mills. Then moved into selling patterns to use what you create your garments from from the wool. Then went into the catalog piece after that. And obviously, we've gone through a huge transformation as a business. We've had various different phases within the business, and the most recent one being a very strong catalog business. Before we evolved into a very strong e tailing business. So. And that retail business that we're in now, we're even evolving again, even more so now into a more what we're calling fidgetal business. So it's both the e-commerce part and the physical retail part, but physical retail in a different way to what most companies have done in the past. We're using it much more in terms of showrooming our product rather than creating a very transactional retail experience. So we've gone through a number of different phases through that time. And from a product offering, a similar thing. We started off very strong in the fashion space. And what we are really pushing for is our French lifestyle positioning and lifestyle for us is both fashion and homes. So we really try to identify both of those core areas so that customers are not only dressing themselves as they've done with us in the past, but now also dressing their homes, which is a key area that we are focusing on strongly for the future.
0: And I'm personally always on your site because I've recently moved into a, a flat and I've been trying to furnish it <laughs> bit by bit. Go. But um, what inspired Dutte's move into the homeware space and, and kind of how has that element of the business evolved?
2: Yeah, so if I focus on that homes piece... The first startings of it was really on the home textiles, which was an extension of what we were doing in our fashion business. Mm -hmm. So we were starting in that home textile space. We'd done really well in terms of gaining market share within that, especially in things like the bed linens and curtain type categories within it. Then after that, the key questions were asked about how we could complement the range of product we could have. Our customers were very clearly attached to us as a brand, could trust in us as a brand. And we felt that we would therefore have the credibility to start offering products that were outside of that normal textile area. And then we started launching into our smaller homes areas. And that just went from one step to the next step. And hence why today we are sitting very firmly in that lifestyle position with all the different homes items you could think of, whether it's the small textile items, decorative items, right up to the very large items where we have things like our sofa ranges, bed ranges, wardrobes. And then depending on the country, we have different ranges even within countries because they're at different stages of their development as they're going through. So places like France obviously have the biggest range that we have, which incorporates all of our own brand product, but also our marketplace offering that we're able to offer to all of our customers in France. Internationally, we have some countries that have got the full range of our own brand product, but that's quite limited at the moment. We only have three international countries with the full range today, which is on Switzerland, Belgium, and Portugal the other countries are continually progressing and enlarging their range as we work through the different elements from a logistical point of view, distribution point of view, and ensuring that we can offer a great service to our customers.
0: I can imagine that the logistics and figuring out furniture and getting that to a customer is very different to that of like home textiles and, and soft furnishings, for example. So it's really exciting how that business is, is continuing to grow and develop. Yeah.
1: And I know we have more questions around that as well later in the podcast, because there's just so much interesting insights into you being within the international side and how all of that works and you position things differently across regions. But with 2020, it's obviously been a very different and unique year. We've seen obviously homeware has been a key part of that for people staying at home. I was reading the Guardian recently, and they said there was a 39% increase in homeware sales in the UK in general. But can you share some key elements from 2020 from a Due perspective, focusing on the homes for lockdown 1.0 and 2.0 as well? Yeah,
2: so obviously two very strong lockdowns, depending on the countries that we are focusing on, but both in France and UK specifically, we have had two very distinct lockdown periods. First one being in that March-April time, second one being very recent now in the October-November timing. In terms of what that has meant from a consumer point of view, and even from a personal point of view, as most of you will be aware and your listeners, people are spending far more time at home than they ever did in the past. And we are calling that a nesting effect. So we see this very strong nesting effect happening at homes. And within that nesting effect, people are having to either A, set up their home office, which most people might not have had before. So we've got a big increase then in what happens from desk sales, chair sales, all of those different elements that people require to have their home office. And then equally, people, because they are spending so much time at home, are also trying to increase the quality of the life they can have at home. So doing redecoration, refurnishings. So we've seen another big increase happening off the back of that. And then coupling all of that together, a lot of the shops have been closed. So where are you able to do that is through e-commerce. And that's called the core space that we are in. So we've been very fortunate to be able to capitalize on both that nesting effect causing a big increase in home activities but also the fact that it's been very strongly geared towards e-commerce. And that's been a a strong lever for us during this year.
0: Absolutely. And, you know, off the back of all of that, you know, we've seen in edited data that home accessories, for example, in 2020 have grown by 300% year over year in, in new arrivals. So obviously from your unique perspective of working in home, with homewares at Lara, have new product categories and lines been inspired by the events of 2020?
2: Yeah, so in terms of the categories and lines that we've got, I wouldn't say that there's been that many new categories within the specific homesware space. What we've had to do is go very quickly to ensure that we have enough stock of all of the items that mm. people are demanding because mm. the swing happened very quickly to people buying products where we had a stable collection, a stable stock of those particular items like desks, chairs, et cetera. Yeah. And the growth of those went up exponentially in a very short period of time. So a key challenge for us there was ensuring that we were able to get those items manufactured, put into stock and available for customers as quickly as possible. So I'd say that part has been a key challenge for us to work through. Then in terms of new items that we're adding Because of the nesting effect, we have seen an increase, especially in our fashion business, to be fair, I'll touch a bit on homes, but about more casual items being demanded. So we do see a big increase there that people are buying a lot more casual lines. I'm looking at it much more as what I would call kind of a work leisure. We've had the big athleisure trend that went through. Now there's kind of the work leisure trend coming through. And people are wearing a lot more comfortable, relaxed clothing, and weighing a lot more things like pajamas, sweatpants, that kind of area. So, that area we've seen a big shift in from a fashion point of view. And then, specifically on the home space, we do see with that nesting piece, people maybe not going for the more contemporary items, but also maybe gearing down towards the more bohemian type items that we have within our collections.
1: I love the term nesting, it just sounds so positive and quite cozy. Like, I would think that it would be like hibernation or something, but that sounds not very... Yeah,
2: funny. not everyone's sleeping at home. Most of them are working really, really hard. That is true. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah, it's either or No, But with regards to kind of you mentioned the nesting trend, historically in fashion and apparel, we've seen trends driven by street style, by runway and cultural trends how, from your perspective, are trends driven in homeware? And are there regional differences which are important to you, especially being international CEO? Yeah.
2: So in terms of the regional parts, I mean you touched on it earlier, we have a number of different countries that we are operating in, and we have different models the way that we operate in those two. So I'll touch a bit on the models first and then I'll come through onto the trend part. In terms of the models that we're operating on, we have wholly owned subsidiaries in a number of countries across Europe and Russia. And that's mainly places like the UK, Switzerland, Belgium, Portugal, Spain, and then obviously Russia, too, and added into that. Then we've got our partner's business, which covers areas which are further away from where we are in Europe. And that's places that are mainly focused on places like Middle East, Far East. We also got some places in Africa covered by that. So they're more exotic areas that we're covering with our partner's business and then the last one that we have is our dot com business, and also we have a dedicated URL for Italy too, and we operate that directly out of France and dispatch directly from there to the end consumer, and that's both on fashion and homes. So we have these three different models, and then we try and compare across those what's happening in terms of the core trends. Mm-hmm. What we tend to see in terms of products that are being sold is that the top one hundred products that we have across the group generally are the same at around seventy-five to eighty percent. So in terms of top products that we are selling, but the ranking can be different. So the number one product we would have, for example, in Switzerland might not be the number one product we have in in the UK, but it will be within the top 100. So we tend to see a a very strong overlap in terms of the number of products, sorry, the best-selling products that we have in the different countries, but the ranking can be subtly different depending on each country.
0: Mm -hmm. Amazing. And in terms of kind of identifying those trends as well, you know, does your team operate differently from a fashion and apparel perspective as to how they do with, with homewares and making sure they're bringing those right products to market?
2: On homewares, we have a lot more carry forward product than what we would have within the fashion product. So yep. carry forward and continuous product. In fashion collections, you tend to be refreshing the majority of your collection every single season. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. In homes, it's more the minority that gets refreshed every single season. So you carry forward a lot more, and you may add a few more color lines, but not necessarily as many new products themselves. What we do on our homes products is that we do try to have a very fashion-led way of doing it. I'm going to say fashion-led in the way that we create our collections. We have what we call our patrimo collection, a more classical collection. We have a bohemian collection, and we have our contemporary collection. And a lot of fashion brands will do the same thing when they're creating their fashion collections, thinking about these different targets. And we do the same on our homes areas. It doesn't mean that you are unique to buying one of those different categories, but usually you'll have a preference towards one. So. Mm -hmm looking at individual people's homes, you will notice quite clearly if people have a more classical styling in their homes, contemporary styling, Mm -hmm. that bohemian styling. So again, but you could have individual items that are mix and match between that across those different types of categories. But that's the way that we tend to create our homes collections is having a clear, distinct idea in mind about how all of these different elements go together as a collection on their own or complement each other afterwards if people want to mix and match those in their homes.
0: Mm -hmm. It's interesting, isn't it? Because I know from my background in buying and merchandising, it's so important to help the customer understand how to style that product and how to wear that product. And I think it makes so much sense when you're talking about homewares in that same sense, like you need a collection that works well together so that the customer can picture that in their homes and having that lifestyle that they aspire to. So on Edited, we saw key themes from customer communications, from lockdown 1.0, you know, being around comfy and cozy, and we saw those increase 80% and 150% respectively year over year. Could you give us some insight into what themes Laradu is planning to go after in the coming months based on current circumstances?
2: Yeah. So again, touching on part of the answer that I gave earlier, in terms of those key themes, we've seen very similar things, whether it's about that comfy part And we are seeing that coming through in the ranges that we're selling, especially on the fashion side of things. On the home side of things, we do have an increase in the things that are happening on like duvets, etc., throws. So you get that area, which is creating more of that comfort, nesting again, as I used the word earlier, coming through in terms of the products that people are buying. We did also notice some other trends that came through about things like outdoor Outdoor, even now, is selling extremely well, which is unseasonable. So again, the elements about people not necessarily being able to interact with people from outside of their homes, depending on the country. Again, in the UK, you're not allowed to do this currently, but some countries you can still interact with people from outside of your home, but outside of the actual physical homes in your garden. And therefore, we're still seeing a good selling level on outdoor items today. So we've got these elements coming through, which is then questioning us about what are we going to be offering as our core range for next year. I don't foresee big changes there, but really adding in some more complementary items based on the trends that we are seeing. And that will be more on that comfortable area, both in the fashion and the home space. And then also looking at the core areas where we might not have the products ourselves, but using either our marketplace model or our dropship model to complement some of those areas like outdoor furniture, for example where we might not want, not want to necessarily stop the items ourselves, but use external providers to provide that complementary product for our customers that are needing and wanting those.
1: What I love about Laura Duke's website when we're talking about these themes is that there's a lot of content and inspiration. And with the products, you can see almost like an Instagram view of other people having it in their homes, which is really inspiring that peer-to-peer view. So even when I shop for homeware, we were talking about it earlier, but I feel like I shop differently for homeware and fashion. And I'm trying to put plan right now because I'm gonna change my boyfriend's entire flat when I move into it in a month's time. He doesn't know that yet. But how would you communicate differently to the homeware customer than you would a fashion apparel customer? Like what's most important to the homeware customer really? Yep.
2: So I'm gonna come on to that but firstly I think your boyfriend's gonna know now what you're planning to do. So you <laughs> might want to tell him. Me. <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: yeah you might want to tell him now. So uh, on the homeswear space, it was it's a great thing and you guys mentioned it earlier, which is really for us, a core element of homes is that we are able to show a full room setting in one image on homes. On fashion, you can do a complete look, but a complete look on a person versus a complete look in a room are two completely different things. In yeah. a room, you can yeah. cover off things like the rugs, the curtains, the lighting, the sofa, the coffee table, all the decorative items on top of that, or the dining table and all of the different elements on top of the dining table. So you can cover off a huge number of products in one image far more than you ever could in fashion. And the key piece there is that people want to submerge themselves into that room. They can almost feel themselves in there, whether it's on Instagram or on an image on our homepage. So we have all these different areas that we are able to then touch customers with great content. And that does change the shopping behavior. So we do see that customers can then be looking at buying a number of items from one room setting image versus what we will have had before on one style setting for an individual. So it's a key area that we do really do a lot of imagery on what I'd call a full lifestyle even imagery to be able to show our customers all of the different elements that we can offer them from a particular range and from a particular style within the range because we can do one setting of a living room which is, as touched on earlier, could be a contemporary living room. We could do it more bohemian. We could do it more classical. So we have all these different styles that we can show that will appeal differently to different people and also inspire them and give them ideas about things that they may want to change, either the full room or even just parts of the room into making it an even better place for them to live in. So that does give us a great possibility on the homes area, which is far more open to what we will have done historically within that fashion space. Mm
1: I wonder how often people change their styles. Grace,
0: I feel like you've had your love of rattan for... For a while now, and that hasn't changed. I feel like, Michael, I'm the bohemian customer and it comes okay. to <laughs> I love all the rattan. I'm tempted by the rattan desk that you have with the screen on the yeah,
2: side. Yeah, we've got some great rattan things, even for <laughs> outdoor. And we've got little rattan trolleys that people can use yeah. for entertaining. The question you were asking about people changing their homes, a lot more people are doing it. Historically, we saw a big trend of people redecorating their homes when they moved home. So that was a key milestone where people were doing it. More recently, you see a lot more people changing their homes, even though they're not moving, just because they have so much more to in access to them, especially through the online space, through the Instagram inspirations, Pinterest inspirations that they will not have had in the past. That are really then getting them to think about what they do with the living space that they are in.
0: Totally. I'd love to talk more about the impact of that social media on homewares. And I know, you know, even if you just type into Instagram, interior design, there's over a 100 million posts on there. And we've spoken about the importance of imagery and it to that homeware customer. So I'd love you to talk to us about the impact that social media has had on Laradute's homeware business, in particular, kind of, Pinterest and Instagram, which we know are very much driven by, by imagery.
2: Adding on to what I said before, obviously, Pinterest, Instagram, core platforms for us, for our homes, and just showing those homes' imageries. Another element that we have within Instagram is shoppable images, so you are able to then click through, see that full setting, and be able to buy the items there and then, which is also another great added feature. Plus, we're able to reach customers, whether they are existing or new customers, prospect customers. So we do a lot of work with both Instagram and more recently with Pinterest in order to find new customers within their different audiences that they have that we can then sell our products through to. And either not even necessarily sell, but even inspire customers in terms of the different images that we can show them from their home setting examples. So those are the two core areas that we are using it for, both using it for our existing customers, but also trying to attract new customers through those platforms And then using the imagery that is rarely submersive so that you do want to really go into that room or have that room within your own home. So it's a key area that we then utilize that strong imagery for. Mm.
1: I'm obsessed with Pinterest. I have a home 1.0, a home 2.0, a home 3.0, and they're all different mood boards, just depending on where I was in my life at that time.
2: (laughs) And Pinterest, we are seeing as a key platform of growth. So it's another area that we are seeing a much bigger growth within Pinterest in that home space, as you mentioned. Because yeah. a load of people are doing that. So we we do see a number of people doing that. And Pinterest are also launching it for it to be shoppable within their platform. Yeah. So that's another area that we foresee there being another strong lever of growth coming through that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I read an article from earlier this year where I think it was head of media at Laradoo had spoken about the importance of kind of like advertising initiatives that might be coming down the pipeline with Pinterest and, and Laradoo. That's really exciting. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: So that's one to watch. So you'll see things on there. And equally on the fashion space, we're doing a lot on TikTok also. So we've done one very strong campaign in TikTok recently, and we've got another one that will be launching in the coming weeks. So that's another space, but that's very much more in the fashion area rather yeah. than on homes.
1: Oh, wow. Another thing we wanted to talk about was the opportunities with collaboration. So we've seen other industries collaborating in the homeware space. So, for example, Smeg and Dolce & Gabbana from your perspective, what do you feel are the opportunities with collabs? So
2: we've done a load of collabs in the past on our fashion area. Again, we've got such a long history, over 180 years of history. Mm-hmm. And when you go back in that history, we've collaborated with some enormous brand names and designer names of today in the past. Uh, on the home space, we've done some collabs, but not as many. So we rely very strongly on the ranges that we produce ourselves and design all of those within mm-hmm. France. We have got one collab that we are doing with Emmanuel. Uh, so that is one that we are doing at the moment but there's very much more focus at the moment on what we do ourselves within it it doesn't mean we won't do things in the future It is an area that we are looking into but it's obviously in that fashion space there are a lot more brands that are and designers that are easier to collaborate with but do what again watch the space on the homes area in terms of what we're going to do on there
0: Sounds exciting. And in terms of kind of the future and and, and technologies part in that, Amazon has launched a multi-view AR home decor feature on its app, which obviously enables you to view products in your room before you buy them using virtual reality. So how does technology play a role in the future behavior of homeware purchasing and, and kind of what opportunities do you think that presents to brands and retailers, Michael?
2: Yeah. So on the technology piece, obviously, as an e-commerce business, we're really strong on the technology piece and looking at the different trends that are coming through. Uh, in fairness, on AR, we looked at AR. The feeling that we had was a little bit too early mm-hmm. in terms of consumer adoption and usage of that, and then the value add that a customer gets from it. So we actually decided to put our investment in some slightly different areas. So we put that much more on voice search, image search. So you can use that application with voice to find your products. You can take photos of similar products, fashion and homes and we'll show you what we have within our product catalog that could be uh, suitable and very similar to the product that you've taken the photo of. And then more recently, we've done another initiative, which is a much more human initiative, whereby you can contact through the application one of our showrooms and stores that we have within France, and you can actually speak directly to an advisor in the store. They don't see your image, but you see their image. So for data protection purposes, obviously, they do not you don't get to see the customer, but the customer sees the salesperson And they can walk around the store and actually show you the images from their device. So that's another way of giving that interactive piece with a customer there directly, rather than having to physically go into the store. So we've done those areas. And then we've got another piece of initiative that we are currently underway with at the moment. It's not live yet, but this is to create a virtual pop-up. So we're doing our pop-up shops at the moment. We do those in Switzerland, Portugal, and Russia. We have those live currently right now. And on Portugal and Switzerland, we are currently working on how to create a virtual pop-up so people who aren't able to visit, especially with COVID, are then able to visit that through their device, whether it's a mobile phone, laptop, et cetera, and also make it shoppable. So they'll be able to shop the items from the pop-up directly and then be able to check those out on the Reduce site. So we're going through those initiatives, too, and those should hopefully be live in the coming weeks.
1: Oh, God, wow. It sounds like, yeah, it's almost like a gamification or going into this virtual world. I remember I did once like a VR headset, but it was a horror movie. It was the one with the clown. Yeah. I mean, it's very real. It was very scary. So I can imagine doing that with homeware. It, it actually feels very real that you're in the, in the space and being able to see yeah. the as well.
2: The key yeah. thing is adding value to customers. We want to do things that customers will really value and it will provide them something additional to what they can get today with either the application or on the sites. So and things like VR AR they sound great in principle but it's really making sure that the execution at the end is something that a customer is going to want to use.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I'm just going to take us into this dream world right now. We're going to take coronavirus aside, pretend it's not happening. How important is it for homeware retail, retailers to have a physical presence? I think you called it fidgetal, I think, earlier. Yeah, but, you know, think
2: was the word that we used. So physical and digital combined. It. So, fidgetal. Yeah. Trying I mean, to move away from omnichannel. I'm, I'm tired of hearing the word omni-channel, word. So, yeah. And omnichannel just didn't sound very nice. So, fidgetal <laughs> at least has some kind of. Better to ring to it. Sounds like it has
1: a lot of energy. Could you
2: tell Yeah, that? yeah. So for us, in terms of that space, again, we're in different stages depending on the countries uh, and where we are within our home's expansion plan. France is the country that we have the highest amount of home stores. So within France, we have our own standalone stores, and then we also have our corners within gallery Lafayette group. Corners in gallery Lafayette group are around fifty of those already. So we have a very big presence within France, if you want to see the La Redoute product. And La Redoute product, bear in mind, I didn't touch on this earlier. We have got two very strong ranges within Redoute. We have La Redoute Interiors and we have AMPM. AMPM is our more upmarket offering that we have. So we have different store fascias depending on the two also. So we have our own standalone stores for AMPM and our own standalone stores for La Redoute Interiors. And then we have them separately as corners, as shopping shops within Galerie Lafayette Group also. Then on an international basis, we've gone very much more strongly into the pop-up type shops. And pop-up shops usually last for around three months. As I touched on earlier, we've done that in Switzerland, in Portugal, in Russia. And we are looking at whether we do that in some other countries also. And then we've also done some areas like Casa Decor in Spain, which is a very big homes event that they have within Spain. And there we've done another piece where we showroomed our product within that in a, a setting which was a bedroom setting for that particular event. Unfortunately, with COVID this year, that one was cut a bit short compared to what it should have run. But we do see it really important for customers to be able to see our products, touch them, sit on them, feel them, all of those elements to really show them the quality of the product that we have, first and foremost. But secondly, also really make people aware of it. La Redoute has been known for such a long time, especially internationally as a fashion brand, We do need to really shift some mindsets of people into the understanding that we're not just fashion. We have this great homes collection. So yes, we've been there to dress you in the past. Now we're there to dress your home in the future as well as yourself. So it's a key area that we want to ensure that that brand awareness is there for homes also. So that when people wake up and think they want to do something with their house, they don't just think about the standard retailers that they had in the past in their mind, but also that La is starting to function within that thought Mm -hmm. process as somewhere to visit. So coming back to your core question at the beginning, really, it is critical for us that we want to have that presence in a physical environment, but not in the traditional way that a lot of retailers have done. It's much more as a showroom for us, giving people a touch of the collection, getting them to be able to see that. And then from that, hopefully going into the website the application, et cetera, to go and see the full range of product that we have to offer for them.
0: Absolutely. I feel like I've had that experience myself of buying a sofa you know it's really important you want to sit on it you want to feel how comfortable it is but you don't really care if in the physical showroom they don't have the exact color you know but the fact that you can then go online and buy exactly what it is that you want with the full range so I appreciate how important that can be. So Michael we've come nearly to the end but one thing we always ask our guests is what's the one thing that you would love our listeners to take away from this episode?
2: Wow. One thing to take away from the One episode. thing,
0: Michael, <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> Goodness me, I've got to think about this one. I would say the one thing that I'm I'm just trying to really consolidate all the different elements together, if it's one thing in relation to Laradute, it's the, the fact that Laradute's core real one value that we're trying to do is to really be the preferred lifestyle platform for families. Mm-hmm. So I'd say that if there's one thing to think about and to remember from this is that Laradute wants to be and in the future will be the preferred lifestyle platform for families.
1: Amazing. i bring it
2: back to the brand.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and I think that it's nice that you're incorporating, you know, the family and every element of like children to parents. And it goes back to the nesting. I think the nesting yeah. is the one thing to take away. <laughs>
2: yeah, I, I had that one. That. It was going through my mind, but I was trying to <laughs> package it together in a way that then fits back with the brand really strongly to do. Okay. And, <laughs> you know, that's our core way of where we're going as a brand is to really be the preferred lifestyle platform for families that's what we want to be and that's yeah. what we're really strongly pushing towards across all of the different countries that we operate in
0: oh well, michael thank you so much it was so lovely to speak to you and it was so interesting to hear everything you have to say not just about homewares but about the laradook business in general and, and kind of its international presence it was fascinating how mm-hmm. well,
1: wonderful having you on our podcast thank you so much michael yep
2: no problem at all thank you very much for the questions and the informal way of doing it and via Zoom so not the not being named personally is unfortunate but yeah thank you very much for all of the different questions that you asked
0: As a listener of ours we are here to support you as the challenging year in retail continues if you're a customer of Edited please contact your dedicated account manager and retail strategist and they'll do everything they can to support you For all of our listeners, ensure you're subscribed to the Insider Briefing. You can sign up at edited.com where we'll be keeping you all updated on the latest news and strategies.
1: Thank you for listening to Unedited. If you've enjoyed today's conversation with Michael, please make sure you subscribe to Keep in the Loop with future episodes and please tell your friends or family about us. And if you have any further questions, you can get in touch at unedited at edited.com or tweet us at edited underscore HQ. Bye. Bye.